Welcome to the Movie Planet, everybody. This show today is on Jurassic Park, The Lost World, and it's actually a show we did at the very beginning of the Movie Playground podcast that we wanted to release this week in honor of Jurassic Park or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So hope you enjoy. This is the early days of the podcast, so there is definitely some rough sound stuff going on, but just be forgiving and listen to uh, JC and I go bananas over uh, how bad <laughs> The Lost World is. I hope you enjoy. You ready to go to a recess? Yeah, let's talk about like a scary movie that's actually well, it's probably the weakest of the of the franchise, but I still like it. It's a good movie, but apparently we're we're going to disagree. Mommy, daddy, I found something. A British family on a yacht cruise stumbled upon site B. And now it's only a matter of time before this lost world is found and pillaged. Hopefully you've kept this island quarantined and contained, but I'm in shock about all this. Wow. Isn't it great? Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and, and screaming. This week, we are continuing our Jurassic Park journey as which we, we which we've left f- for a long time, and I'm very happy to. Get we back started here. in episode First one show ever, and it wasn't even supposed to be a Jurassic Park episode. We were just talking about things that we saw that we wanted to talk about, and it, and you started talking about Jurassic Park, and we just went for another we hour. We just went, yeah, it was <laughs> awesome. Uh, I still, I mean, I know that you talk all the time about how we've changed and we've gotten so much better. Mm-hmm. I still listen to that first show, and I like it. I mean, we have way, t- I have way too many ums and uhs and all that, but it's well, still pretty good. It's gotten better. Yeah. Uh, as we tackle the second movie, The Lost World, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park, starring Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm, Julianne Moore as Sarah Harding, who admitted that she did this film to pay off a divorce settlement. Pete Postlewaite. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's really funny. <laughs> Pete Postlewaite as Roland Tembo. Arliss Howard as Peter Ludlow. Richard Attenborough as John Hammond. Vince Vaughn as Nick Van Owen. Vanessa Lee Chester as Kelly. Peter Stormare as Dita. Dita Stock. Dita. Harvey Jason as AJ Sidhu. Richard Schiff as Eddie Carr. Oh, Richard Lex- Schiff. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, West Wing. And guess who else showed up? Lex and Tim for about two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> There was a there was a couple cameos. Yeah. Okay. A little bit of trivia about this one. Yep. This movie was made for seventy three million dollars. How much was the first one made for? Uh, I don't know. But I feel like that's not a lot. Seventy three is not a lot of money that's for not a, a blockbuster. It made that back in its opening weekend in nineteen ninety seven when it opened at ninety million dollars. So this made bank, but it made bank because the first one was so good. Oh, it made bank. It like seventy three million dollars today isn't a lot to make one of these movies of. But when you see how much it pulled in worldwide, you go, those are today worldwide numbers. It pulled in $618 million worldwide. In 97? In 97. That's good. That's almost nine times the return. Hey. Okay. After, now, this is interesting. This, this makes me hate Spielberg. Whoa. Just listen. I'm listening. After the release of the novel Jurassic Park, Michael Crichton was pressured by fans for a sequel novel. One of the fans was Steven Spielberg. He was. Having never written I a sequel... Th- actually, I think I know this story as you're telling it. But Having never written a sequel, he initially refused. Discussions about a sequel film began after the successful release of Jurassic Park in 1993. Spielberg held discussions with David Kep and Crichton to discuss possible ideas for a sequel film and requested Crichton to write a sequel novel. Joe Johnston offered to direct the film, but the job ultimately went to Spielberg. 
Johnston eventually did Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. A production team was assembled in spring of 1995 as Crichton was finishing the novel while Spielberg and Kep were developing ideas for the screenplay. Yeah. Writer David Kep said that he, when he was writing the script to the movie, he taped a fan letter next to his computer screen. The letter from a viewer to, of the original Jurassic Park film who complained he waited too long to show the dinosaurs in that film. Uh. Spielberg and Kep discarded much of the novel's scenes and ideas choosing to devise a new story instead while including two ideas from the novel. A second island populated with dinosaurs and a scene in which a trailer dangles up from a cliff after being attacked by T-Rexes. So Spielberg begs him to write a novel. Yeah, I knew that. I knew Spielberg had begged him to write a novel and then I knew that Spielberg pretty much read the novel and was like, yeah, that's not going to be a good movie and he made his own movie. I did know that. I didn't know all the details. I didn't know like everything else, but I did yeah. know that if you read the book Lost World, it is not the movie no. at all. And I always, I always, I, I didn't realize Spielberg had forced forced him. I mm -hmm. knew he had asked him, but then to yeah, that's just a dick move. Originally, the film would end with an aerial battle where pteranodons attack the helicopter trying to escape Isla Sorna. Spielberg suggested to instead have the T Rexes attack through San Diego, as he was interested in seeing dinosaurs attack the mainland. Spielberg had initially wanted such a scene to be saved for a third film, but later decided to add it into the second film after realizing that he would probably not direct another film in the series. See, I think that's the weakest part of the whole thing. Why the f*** did they bring a dinosaur back to, to the United States? Not only that, 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 that whole, once they start that, once they load them up, and that whole idea of pulling animals off the island, that's where part of me is like, I, uh, MacGuffin. Yeah. This is, I, I don't buy this at all. You've, you've lost me. Director Steven Spielberg had to attend an early screening for Swingers <laughs> in order to give approval for the use of the Jaws theme in the movie. Really? There, he was so impressed by Vince Vaughn that he offered him a part in this film. Vince Vaughn's pretty good in this movie. He is, but he is the... If you need him for something, if you need something, he's that person. He's the... And the Swiss Army knife, if you will. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, there's always that character in movies when you need them to move the exposition along. Mm -hmm. That's Vince Vaughn. Okay. Many elements from the original novel that were not ultimately used in the first film were instead used in The Lost World. The opening sequence of a vacation, which makes you wonder, well, then why write the second damn novel? Exactly. You use everything that you didn't use in the first one. The, and by the, the way, these are ideas that were thrown out. So already you have a B film being made. The opening sequence of a vacationing family's young daughter being attacked by a group of compies was very similar to the novel's opening scene. And Dieter Stark's death is also analogous to John Hammond's compie-related death in the novel. Yep. Um, let's see. Steven Spielberg confessed that during production, he became increasingly disenchanted with the film, admitting, I beat myself up, growing more and more impatient with myself. It made me wistful about doing a talking picture because sometimes I got the feeling I was just making the big silent roar movie. I found myself saying, is that all there is? It's not enough for me. Yeah. Which, it was all his idea. He had a good story from Michael Crichton. So basically what he's saying is that I made the movie I wanted to make, and it's not the movie I wanted to make. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. But I, I, I also still enjoy myself, but this is, this is the weakest of the four. Yeah. It's the weakest of the four. Okay, here we go. You refer a synopsis here? We got a lot to talk about with yeah, this. Yeah, we boy. do. The movie opens with a British family enjoying a lovely day at the beach on Isla Sorna, a little island just 87 miles away from Isla Nublar, the original Jurassic Park. 
The daughter of this British family runs off on her own and encounters a group of little dinosaurs named Compies. They attack her, much to the shock of her family, when they find her after screaming loudly. Yeah. It's a cool scene. It is a cool scene. I've, I have not seen that since being a father, mm-hmm. and it's amazing how much that scene got to me. Really? Like, literally, I, I wanted to go grab the boy and hug him. And it's, that's why it's interesting when movies do that. But I remember watching that scene before, mm-hmm. but that scene, it was just, a, I'm like, oh, come here, give me a hug, give me a hug, give me a hug. It was just, it was interesting to me. When I saw this scene, the first thing I thought was, okay. That dinosaur looks so damn fake. Yeah. It looks something pre-Jurassic Park. I didn't think that. I did. When you when it starts eating the chicken or the bread or whatever, and it's doing that thing with its neck, uh, it looks so plastic. Yeah, they didn't. This one didn't age. Yeah. It, 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 it was like they went back in time. The Tyrannosaurus still looks good, though. Okay, well, we'll get to the T-Rex. But and then, the Stegosaurus. But here's the thing. I, I saw that. It takes me out of the movie. And then when they show all the copies around the girl, I was like, that looks good. Yeah, you're right. It was almost like they, they picked and cho- chose their shots. Like, this is why it was $73 million, because you brought Jim Henson and his crew in to do a bunch of puppets. Oh, I like Jim Henson. I know, but you don't use him for, like, you, you, Elmo. Okay, great, but not a T-Rex. Dinosaur trained? Dinosaur train. The film then Dinosaur cuts to train. Ian Malcolm as the scream is going. This is a great scream to Ian. Yeah. <laughs> then he's just like yawning. That was clever. Who is called to the mansion of John Hammond, the former head of InGen. How does John Hammond still f-ing have money after all of the lawsuits that had to have come his way? He's bloody he, rich. Yeah, must be. Yeah. Malcolm meets Hammond's grandchildren, Lex and Tim, th- Tim there, whom he, Ooh, they've grown up. Who, y- yes, whom he encountered on Island Nublar in the first film. Malcolm also meets Hammond's nephew, Peter Ludlow, who has taken over InGen as its new chief, e- <laughs> chief EO, Talk chief executive officer. Both trade barbs over the aftermath of the incidents of Jurassic Park, with Malcolm chastising Ludlow for covering up what really happened, and Ludlow claiming Malcolm went public telling stories of which Malcolm counters he told the truth but took no payment for what he was revealed. Now, I like this. I, I do, too. I think it's a great way of saying, well, obviously you guys f***ed up, and guess what? People don't take responsibility when they're f***ed up. This is a different huh. look at the story. Palm potentially. And I'm digging this because I'm like, okay, you've got something different here, and I'm liking this. I know where this is going. Yep. Malcolm then is allowed to visit Hammond, who is now bedridden. Malcolm is soon shocked when Hammond tells him about Site B. Island Nublar was the location for Jurassic Park, but Site B was where the animals were originally created and bred. However, in the aftermath of Hurricane Clarissa, Site B was evacuated and the animals let loose to roam free, with them inhabiting an environment free of human interference. This shocks Malcolm, as he had assumed that the dinosaur should have died because of the lysine deficiency. Exactly. That he needed to be supplied by medical means. Hammond explains he has no idea why they are still alive and shocks Malcolm when he explains that a research team has been recruited to conduct studies on this subject. And that brings him to Malcolm, who Hammond wants to be the fourth member of the team. Yep. If you're Ian Malcolm, you're sitting there going, fuck no, I ain't doing this. No. What could possibly get me on this island? Well, my ex-wife. Oh, yes. Would do that. (laughs) And this is where Hammond explains that, by the way, one of our researchers on the island, who's been there for a couple weeks already and hopefully is still alive, dun, dun, dun. is Ian Malcolm's girl, ex-girlfriend, or girlfriend, I don't know what it is. Whoever he had a dog yeah, with. Sarah Harding. Now, InGen has been on the verge of Chapter 11 bankruptcy for some time, and the board wanted to exploit the remaining dinosaurs on Site B for profit purposes. 
because it worked so well the first time. Because we need corporate bad guys. Yes. Hammond was able to keep them from doing so until the incident with the British family. Oops. Dun, dun, dun. Which makes you wonder, you know, where does the British family live? In We're Britain. assuming Great Britain, right? Yeah. Okay. What the hell are you doing over there on a yacht uh, for the day? The Virgin Islands are not that far from where Costa Rica is, and Isla Nublar and all those were off the coast of Costa Rica, weren't they? Yeah. But where's so, Great Britain? They could be in the British Virgin Islands. I just said that. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I assumed that everybody in the British Virgin, Virgin the British Virgin Islands didn't speak British. There's there's a reason they're called the British Virgin Islands. Oh, okay, yeah, but you know, Puerto Rico is a territory of, and they speak a lot of English in Puerto Rico. Yes, they do, but we don't assume they do. Well, you know what happens when you assume? You make <laughs> out of you and me. No, I just wanted ice cream. So now. Ian Malcolm has to go because Hammond sent his ex-girlfriend to an island full of terrible animals with no fences. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) And the reasoning behind it is, well, don't worry. Just stay on the outside because the animals just stay in the middle. (laughs) What the f***ing plan is that? Yeah, the problem is, is when you start the reasons why a lot of these things happen, you get why Michael Crichton was like, yeah, I don't write sequels. Yeah. Malkin, of course, refuses the offer, but then he's got to go because his girlfriend's there. Okay. Malkin's next stop is a garage owned by Eddie Carr, played by the West Wing's Richard Schiff. And I was just like, you were so good in West Wing. <laughs> and he's good in this also. He is good, but it's just... <sighs> like, I could watch... Every Richard Schiff scene is great. When he's it talking is. about technology, you know, and, and, and it's a high hide. It goes high. High hide. Yeah. Hide. <laughs> So Eddie Carr has been prepping vehicles and equipment for the expedition. Malcolm also meets Nick Van Owen, played by Vince Vaughn. Da, 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 go Chicago. Who? What? He's like a Blackhawks, Cubs, White Sox, everything fan. Who was planning to take video and photographic footage of for Hammond's expedition. <laughs> Apparently he worked with Greenpeace for the ladies. <laughs> Malcolm is soon after joined by his daughter, Kelly, who annoys me from minute one. Really? Really. Oh, I find her endearing. There's one thing Jurassic Park cannot do well. Little kids? F***ing kids. Yeah, I liked the kids. I did. I liked Lex and Tim. I liked Kelly. Kelly wants to come along on the expedition, but Malcolm explains she can't go, and the two have a small altercation before Malcolm sends her on her way, telling her not to listen to him. Yeah. Now... This is, we're going to get back to this little incident right here okay. in a few minutes when she shows up on the trailer. Yeah. Like, you saw the size of the boat that they brought these things on. Yeah. It's probably quite the trek to get from one place to the island. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knew she was on the f***ing boat. Yeah. <sighs> Malcolm and Eddie and Nick transport two Mercedes SUVs because Mercedes wanted some... Uh, you know, product placement. Product in placement, yep. Yeah. And a modified RV to Costa Rica, and then head to Site B. However, the ferryman refuses to wait anchor near the islands, claiming that some people wandered too close to the island chain and were never heard from again. Through translation, Nick explains that the islands are known as Los Cinco Muertes, the five deaths. <laughs> this, isn't it always known as Los Cinco Muertes? Yeah. Wouldn't they know that ahead of time? Yep. This is so exposition heavy. It, 
and I sort of had this thought while you were reading it, and I probably should wait until we're done with the synopsis, but I just realized this is a really badly organized, put-together film that was put together to make a whole lot of profits. And Jurassic Park 3, I wonder if it suffered for it because I don't think it made nearly the money. Uh-huh. But Jurassic Park 3 was a good movie, whereas this is not a good movie. Yeah. But it made bank because everybody thought it was going to be another Jurassic Park. It just hurts to, to like read the stuff and to watch it. Like I watched it last night, and I'm sitting there going, come on. Yeah. You, like, have- you phoned it in. Yeah. We can tell you phoned it, it in. The hard part to say is it was Steven Spielberg phoning it in. That's hard to swallow. It is. I agree. But when you think about this, he he was on a hiatus before this movie. He did Jurassic Park, then he did Schindler's List, and then he was gone for a while. Yeah. And then he did this. Maybe Schindler's List was the last gasp for him. And it was a great one. What's another movie that he's done that's good? Well, after that. Since Schindler's List. He did Crystal Skull. Nope. Um, this movie, obviously. Uh, BFG. Big f-ing waste of time. That's uh, what I'm saying. So yeah. <laughs> maybe when you say Steven Spielberg, it doesn't hold the weight that it used to. You know, it, it, here, and here's the thing: he owns Amblin Entertainment, right? Yeah. He's he, so he's producing a lot of things. Mm-hmm. He's pr- maybe at this point he's kind of like, yeah, I just, I just want to produce things now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Do that. But every movie he does that is bad starts to tarnish the memory of what he could do. Yeah. Because when you think of Spielberg, you think of Jurassic Park. You think of Schindler's List. You think of E.T. Yep. But the most recent movies that most people that are younger than us recognize Uh, are these movies. Yep. And it makes you wonder, like, why was Spielberg so great? Anyway, sorry for that exposition in the middle of the synopsis, but it was just like, as I hear this, it's just like, that needed to be said. Yeah. Okay. So... Once on the island. <laughs> Once on the island, Eddie, Malcolm, and Nick locate Sarah using a homing beacon on her backpack. They encounter her taking pictures of a herd of Stegosaurus, with Sarah seeming to be perfectly fine. Shortly after meeting up with her, smoke can be seen from the direction of the RV, and the group finds that Kelly has stowed away. This surprise is short-lived as suddenly a fleet of in-gen helicopters can be seen flying in vehicles and equipment. Holy invasion force. I thought they were in bankruptcy. You know, I thought so also. Apparently, there's some hidden funds maybe in the Virgin Islands. <sighs> Who knows? But I'll say this. But InGen, here's the thing. I can't. I feel like I can't pick on InGen in Lost World because mm-hmm. InGen pisses me off in all Jurassic Park movies. They're just stupid people. When they're first looking for Sarah, they're all yelling Sarah, right? Vince yells, Sarah! Sarah! And then he pauses for Ian Malcolm to get his witty-ass line out there. Before he says another Sarah. That I, bothered I, I, me. Because that's not that, realistic. Yeah. No, it's not. And you watch him. If you watch that, you watch Vince Vaughn. Because he says Sarah, and then he just stands, stands there, staring in that direction, waits, and then yells it again. <laughs> no, I didn't catch that. I, I, I was like, because I, I remember I loved the Ian Malcolm lines in this movie when I first saw it. Yeah. And then when I watched it again last night, I was like, that's just direction. Yeah. Um, because these are good actors. Yeah. Now that then, so they see smoke in the distance. It's Kelly in the RV. It's Kelly who's going to surprise them because it's not bad enough. First of all, she's heard the stories. Why would you want to go here? And she clearly 
is having a tiff with her father. Any kid is going to run to mom at that point. Not to dad, who you're having the tiff with. Uh, so, yeah, already she's pissing me off. Got it. The team is headed up that's flying in. Yep. They, they, first of all, they show the helicopters, and then the next scene isn't even them landing. It's just them in their, in their, in their Jeeps and whatnot, running down dinosaurs, and now we've got, oh, great, now we've, we've got, got the, the next lawyer save character. the animals theme. The next lawyer character. Yeah. The team is headed up by Peter Ludlow and led by Roland Roland <laughs> Roland Tembo. Roland Tembo, a big game hunter who is leading the expedition to round up various dinosaurs for InGen. And I like this character, but so if, did I. but I, I like or and I like the actor who plays him, mm-hmm. but it felt so much like the Vincent D'Onofrio character from World. Okay. I See, saw a lot of correlations between those two. And I got a different feeling from this guy because he seemed like the only one that knew what the hell he's doing out there. I agree with that, yeah. and he was also no bullshit, and like he was sort of like, yeah, don't tell them what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Right. Uh, after the capture assignment is completed, Roland heads off to try and kill a t- Tyrannosaurus Rex, which he considers his fee for the assignment. He dun, wants dun. He, he wants a male, a buck. Yep. But the females are bigger. Uh, shouldn't a big game hunter know that? Yes. Roland instead finds an infant Tyrannosaur and has it chained with the hope that it, its cries will bring its parents back. He's going to hunt. He knows how to hunt. This is what he came there for. Yeah. I can't blame him for this. Cool. But they've already painted things in the way that they've turned him into the bad guy in this. Instantly, yes. Which... InGen should be the bad guy. Changes the changes the way you look at this film when he ends up saving... Everybody. Everybody off that trailer later on. Yep. Okay. Uh... This story, this movie, didn't know what story it wanted to tell. No, that's the problem. When you when you actually start pulling all these together, this story didn't know what it wanted to do. So you could almost say like, "We're going uh, okay. We're going to go this. Uh, uh, we're going to go this way. Uh, uh, okay." And it's a giant zigzag because you had no f-ing path to follow. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, Ludlow has arranged a satellite uplink to InGen's boardroom, where he is attempting to drum up a sales pitch for InGen's latest plan to get itself out of Chapter 11. Take John Hammond's dream of a Jurassic Park, but build it in a more convenient place, you know, where there's more food. And more people. <laughs> Ludlow tells of his dream for Jurassic Park San Diego. This is where I checked out. <laughs> Literally every time I've seen this movie, this scene is where I'm done. You and believability. When suddenly the encampment is attacked by the dinosaurs that were caged moments ago, having been freed by Nick Van Owen and the others. Okay, so now we've got ourselves a Save the Animals movie. Yep. And because we all know that's what Ian Malcolm is all about. Oh, exactly. This next part, I, I. Okay. On his way back to the RV, Nick finds the infant Tyrannosaur and noting that it seems injured, talks Sarah into taking it back to the RV to be mended. Are you f***ing kidding me? Well, but when you're Greenpeace and when your heart bleeds for all this, I mean, it's believable. Does it make sense? No. And maybe this is because I didn't grow up with pets, but I'm one of those people that, you know, if I accidentally hit a chipmunk on the road... I'm not going to grab the chipmunk and go. Let me, let me, let me fix your leg, and we'll be buddies forever. Well, I don't. I think that's a bad analogy. I think any any human being, if you hit cer- the problem is if you hit certain animals, you will try to save them. If you accidentally hit a dog, you're probably going to find the owner. You're probably going to try to take it to the vet, get it taken care of. Right. 
But that, if you run over a squirrel, right? Okay, so, so that so that's animals that we are familiar with. Obviously, yeah. we care more for Tyrannosaurus Rex. Does it make sense to save a Tyrannosaurus Rex? No, no. But Vince Vaughn, I love the girls at Greenpeace. Like he sort of set his character up as like I, I'm here just to to be do good things. I'm stupid, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna just I'm the good guy that's just trying to do good things. Uh. And th- this scene reminds me of one of those things where they had a storyboard. Uh, they were like, "Okay, let's. We have to have it a scene. It looked good. It looked with good. The trailer, the trailer scene, and they were like, "Okay, let's just fit it into a story somehow." Yeah. How do we get there? Yes, you're right. There's there's certain scenes that are obviously iconic and worked. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how to get there, so we're just gonna throw some together until we get there. Once back in the RV, Kelly notes that the Rex is making sounds that could attract other animals. So let me get this straight. The 11-year-old knows what's going to happen, but the paleontologist who's been on the island has no idea. Greenpeace, who just encountered a whole bunch of animals he should be freaked out by, has no idea. And Ian Malcolm, who who was on the f***ing island already, has no goddamn idea? Yeah, this... Yeah. But, to use your own argument, they needed to make there be a reason for Kelly to be there. Wanting to be somewhere Bad safe. Bad storytelling. <laughs> Bad Malcolm, storytelling. <laughs> Malcolm has Eddie take Kelly into a special perched cage high up in the trees some ways off, which, uh, strangely enough, Ian already made mention that putting this up there is in biting distance. Yep. Uh, not to mention the fact that this thing, what's it hooked up to? Because it's clearly way above the tree line. <laughs> <laughs> A pulley system? I don't, I but don't know. But a hook to No, I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> As they look out over the trees, a familiar sound reaches Malcolm's ears, and he then heads back to the RV. Soon after, the Tyrannosaurus come for their infant, and it is re- returned to them. However, they then proceed to push the RV off the nearby cliffside. Eddie heads to their rescue and manages to save Malcolm, Sarah, and Nick, but not before he is eaten by the Rexes. Uh, yep. Can, okay, this is a... It's only like three sentences, but a lot happens in this scene. Oh, yeah. There's a whole lot going on in this scene. First off, they think... Glass is incredibly strong. They think that by handing the Tyrannosaur baby back... That instantly absolves them. So they're putting human emotions on an animal. And again, this is a woman who was one of the tops in her field with wild animals. She thinks that this is going to be okay? Yeah. Uh, phoning it in. Phoning it in. So then Ian Malcolm makes the, you know, the, the comment of, uh, mommy's very angry. Which, Which I'm, I'm even laughing now. It's funny. <laughs> I laugh. But it's just like, come on. You got two T-Rexes now, so they've doubled the, the, the bite power now yep. from the first movie. Yep. Two T-Rexes. They're going to attack the trailer. They attack the trailer. It starts pushing off. But it sh- they, as soon as it gets the first chunk off, the rest should have followed pretty fast. Okay, I'll take the leap of faith here. MacGuffin. <laughs> Not a MacGuffin. <laughs> okay. So Eddie Carr shows up, which, okay, Eddie Carr shows up. Where's Kelly now? I don't know. <laughs> she, ap- she appears later. Yeah, she, she shows up later. Appears but... out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, Is that bad editing or bad directing? <laughs> Hey, Who we had we had this person in this scene, but we must she must not have been on set that day, or she was at school <laughs> that day. But this is going on in the same place, so we're just gonna like cut her in at this moment. 
Yeah. So Eddie comes by with his Jeep, tries looking things up, has the same thing happen to him that happened to Nedry in the first movie. Falls down because it's not long enough, all yep. that garbage. And of course, he's killed in very much the same way that Nedry is in the Jeep in that the first he's in. One. Yep. Uh, soon after the Tyrannosaurus come for... Okay, I did that. The group soon meets up with Ludlow and Roland's groups and now have to work together to get off the island. The only way to radio for communications now is at the main facility in the interior of the island, which they've been trying to avoid the entire time. It, Ludlow warns them that it will be dangerous because of scans having shown that velociraptors are located in the island interior. The group then sets out for the interior of the island one evening... Very close to the destination, the T-Rexes happen to find them. Ha, ha, ha. As the female chases after one group, Roland attempts to kill the male. However, he soon finds that someone has removed the shells from his gun, and he instead uses tranquilizers to take, some, or take down the male. In the confusion, some men scatter into a field of tall grass, where they are taken down by velociraptors hiding in the field. This was just cool visually. You got to be honest that as much as we've sort of been pissed off with this movie, this is one of those scenes. But like we said, it was storyboarded. Really cool scene. Really cool scene. This was also this was one of those really cool scenes. Yeah. Where let's not get Michael Crichton to fill it in. I'll write it myself. (laughs) How we got there. Not necessary. But this is still a really cool scene. And this movie has a lot of amazing visuals in it. The visual of the of the trailer where she's on the glass and it's breaking with her hands. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome visual and suspenseful. Them walking through the tall grass and you see the raptors trailing closer and closer. And and you you see see the the grass. And you see the, the, the folds of the grass crumbling down, which if you're walking in it, you wouldn't see that. We no. get it because it's aerial. And it's just like, this is cool. It's an amazing shot. And those things, this is a series of amazing shots and storyboards. That, With crap story. They had a four-year-old right the middle part. Yep. Uh <laughs> And that's the funny thing. You have an amazing scene like this, and then you follow it with this next one. Malcolm, Kelly, Sarah, and Nick end up making their way to the abandoned main facility. While Nick radios for their rescue team, Malcolm, Sarah, and Kelly end up trying to fend off a group of raptors that have chased them into the facility. They manage to escape along with Nick when a helicopter arrives at the facility. Um, <laughs> there were so many parts of this Nope, section that, that were work. broken. Nope, that didn't work. Nope, that one worked. Nope, uh, that one worked. Like that's the whole time I'm watching this yeah. scene. And I, it, you know, look, let, and they, Ian Malcolm lived through this before, and this is the f- that you're trying. It starts with Malcolm playing hide and seek with a raptor. Basically, I'm in the door. I'm out the door. I'm in the door. I'm out the door. Then he runs to the car, outruns the raptor to the car, which is the most clumsy raptor I've ever seen. And especially as since they the can car, run what forty miles an hour, thirty miles an hour. The guy with the hot pants said that they could. <laughs> you didn't think I'd bring it back, did you? You didn't think I'd bring it back. Damn, That's he looked right. he looked good in those shorts, man. <laughs> yeah, so he's <laughs> Ian Malcolm gets into a car and he's got the door open. He's as he's getting in, the raptor sl- runs into the car, slams the door shut. It should have broken his leg. Yep. It does not. Then the raptor starts to... Because his leg was broken in the first movie. You can't do that twice. Yeah. In the meantime, Sarah and Kelly are inside this little abandoned shed, uh, and the, the raptor is trying to dig its way in with its little claws. And what do they do? Well, you dig on the other side. What? Why? <laughs> and raptors wouldn't have done that. 
Exactly. So then they decide, okay, Raptor comes in, scares the hell out of everybody, misses the little girl by a good foot as his head jams down to kill her. Uh, they climb up, and the Raptors can't seem to climb up until Malcolm comes in. Then they can climb all of a sudden. They get up to where they're being. Malcolm's about to be killed, and here comes Kelly the gymnast to save the day. Now, well, first, we did just watch the. Olympics. Let me just let me just say this: her form was awful. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we just saw the Olympics. Yes. We know what this looks like when it's done well. She is no Simone Biles. <gasps> Ooh, nicely done. Thank you. Uh, and she kicks the raptor through the the wall. At, on the uneven bars. <clears throat> it lands. Now, mind you, she's like in a zone. She she like lines up with the bars, takes a look. Because she has time. She like, has While time. all this is going on, we have a couple seconds to just stand. As we've seen from raptors oh, in the previous scene, they're very patient animals. <laughs> God. And she lines up. And then when she lands, all of a sudden, she's in shock. She's kind of staring like, I did that or I wasn't supposed to do that. Yeah. They now let's go to Sarah. Sarah's gone to the roof of the shed where another raptor joins her. She's holding on and pulling off the shingles. Yep. Because that's always funny in film. Yeah. <laughs> it, it pulls the one dish, raptor dish, dish. off. The, the raptor lands by the other raptor. Julianne Moore's Sarah Harding falls right next to them. They don't notice her whatsoever. They're going to fight with each other and they roll over her like three times. <sighs> Because raptors from the same pack are just going to start fighting in the middle of a hunt. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. That, that whole scene almost negated the raptor scene in the high grass. Yeah. Okay. Uh, both groups arrive in San Diego, California. Oh, I'm sorry. As the helicopter takes off, they see that a group has also come for Roland, Peter Ludlow, and some of the remaining survivors. The crew has also had a giant cage rigged to transport the tranquilized male T-Rex to a waiting ship. Okay. Well, Roland got his T-Rex. Yeah. We've turned into King Kong. And a bad King Kong. Yeah. Both groups arrive in San Diego, California, where Malcolm and Sarah quickly head to InGen's waterfront facility. Now, I'm just out of curiosity. Uh, the Virgin Islands are on the east side of North America, right? Yes. Okay. San Diego is on on the west side. So they would have had to sail over Mexico and up the Pacific coast. Maybe they used the Panama Canal. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's just unbelievable. Yeah. I can't. Like, you didn't think this through. Nope. Maybe they they figured geography teachers wouldn't watch. They were so excited about whether or not they could, they didn't think whether or not they should. That's true. Ian Malcolm, Jurassic Park. And would and would <laughs> Panama have allowed a trans a trans wow. the transportation of a animal that nobody's gonna, gonna tell was, them what no, it is? No, I was trying to say Tyrannosaurus Rex, but apparently I can't. I'm so dumbed <laughs> by us reviewing this movie that I can't speak now. Which mind you at the beginning of and this, part part of me literally went like I look at the rest of this and part of me wants to be like they went back to San Diego. Surprise, surprise, the f***ing Tyrannosaurus Rex got loose, <laughs> ransacked San Diego, they killed the thing, and then it was the end of the movie, and they were all like, my bad, so there you go. So, <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm and Sarah quickly head to InGen's waterfront facility, where Ludlow has arranged a last-minute press conference to herald the arrival of the male T-Rex as the main attraction for the still-in-construction Jurassic Park San Diego. Because you know what you do? 
You bring an unknown into an area that's not completed yet. Yep. However, instead of going smoothly, the ship the creature is on crashes into the docks. Of course. Ludlow, Malcolm, Sarah, and some workers go aboard only to find dismembered pieces of the crew and the cage with the wrecks broken apart. Suddenly, the doors to the cargo hold burst open and the male T-Rex emerges, making his way off the ship and into the city of San Diego. How did the people on the ship die? Uh, well, I don't know. He was in the cargo hold. Uh, yeah. Here's how they died. In the original script, raptors were supposed to have also made it onto that ship. Uh, well, that would make more sense. No, so, it makes sense if they filmed that also. So my guess is they filmed the scene <laughs> with the raptors in, and then people forgot to, you know, film the raptors. They didn't even film that. What was he thinking? Who was the editor? Who edited this together? More importantly, most directors like Steven Spielberg or Martin Scorsese are in the editing room with the editors. Yes. Did he just go, yeah, I trust you. That looks good. <laughs> so yeah, so th- there's a guy holding on to the little carbo hold button. It's going yeah. up and down, up and down. He pulls it away. It opens it up. Here comes the T Rex, and here comes my favorite continuity error in any movie. I think the T Rex. Well, we'll get to it. <laughs> Sarah and Malcolm soon find a surviving crew member who explains that after they were in transport of the T Rex, it stopped breathing, so an additional drug was given. However, being unfamiliar with the T Rex, proper dosage was not known. Because of this, the animal is dehydrated. Sarah figures that the T-Rex will find first find water and then look for food. They receive word that Ludlow brought the infant Tyrannosaur as well and transported it into his personal jet in the still-in-construction park. The two head there to retrieve it in hopes to use it to lure the T-Rex back to the docks. Because that's how it works. Uh, as I'm looking ahead here, it looks as though it, nowhere in here does it say anything about what happens in the suburbs of San Diego. Nope. So the T-Rex makes its way from the in- middle of the city yep, to the suburbs and then returns back to the docks later on. It covered a lot of ground. Sure did. And more importantly, it killed a dog. Oh, it ate a dog. It did. It did. It was uh, pretty doggy. I remember seeing the scene going, that is a pretty funny scene. Like the kid going. Really? Not the dog part. Really? But the kid like looking out his window, seeing the dinosaur and going, Okay, mom, dad, there's a dinosaur. You burned ants with a magnifying glass, didn't you? There's a dinosaur in the backyard. And the reaction of the parents, it was the fish tank. Why'd you keep the uh, fish tank light on and all that? And they walk and they see it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that, that's, that, I could see parents doing that. Yeah. You know, but then they see that, but that's where it ends. Yep. The T-Rex should have broken into that house then. And destroyed it. Exactly. I mean, if you look at the T-Rex, it's pretty much invincible as it's walking down the road. It's bending metal lights. It is. It, it takes a big chunk out of a bus. How strong is this f***ing animal? We don't know. So anyway, <sighs> this is almost over. <laughs> After recovering... No, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's it. After recovering the, the infant, infant yeah. the two find the T-Rex rampaging through the city upon hearing and smelling the infant. So after going to the city, it smells its infant miles and miles, miles and away. Miles and 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 miles. Yeah, that's how annoying this movie is. Not to mention how secure this facility is when Ian and Sarah show up in their convertible, just drive in, grab the animal, and leave. With no question. Where's the police the whole time? They're there. They've got their guns out. Remember, the security is there going. Uh, and Ian right. says, you're going to have to shoot us. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and 
gun. Shot. That's what you're there for. What's your f***ing job? If you... And you can't tell me that a Tyrannosaurus Rex's skull isn't so strong you couldn't put a bullet in its brain. What were these, mall cops? Well, Paul Blark, they are not. They should have had segues if this is what they were going to do. That's true. <laughs> so, about, okay. Upon Ludlow, upon hearing what has happened, orders that the adult male be shot and that the infant be recovered. When he sees Malcolm and Sarah carrying the infant to the cargo ship, he follows along because... That was smart. Okay. Only to find the infant in the cargo hold. Ludlow attempts to lure the infant out, but soon after, the adult mayor enters the hold and injures Ludlow before allowing the infant to kill him. Because the crowd wanted him to die, so he had to have him die dramatically. Because he's a and don't ha- And here's the thing. Don't have the T-Rex do it. Have the baby do it. Yep. Sarah then launches a tranquilizer dart at the T-Rex, which subdues it as Malcolm closes the hold's doors. In the aftermath, the Navy and a new crew escort the ship back to Isla Sorna as Malcolm and Sarah rest in front of the TV. John Hammond also releases a statement requesting that with InGen's secret island of dinosaurs now being realized, that Costa Rica help establish the island as a nature preserve to keep humans from setting foot on it. And credits roll. Talk about sweeping it under the rug. Hey, guess what? This was nominated for Best Visual Effects in 1997 at the Oscars. Was it really? It, it, these were the nominees. Jurassic Park, Starship Troopers. Oh, that was bad. Titanic. Titanic would have been Titanic one, didn't it? Yes, it did. Well, that makes sense. I think they got that right. Yeah, they got that one right. <laughs> so yeah, there's the Lost World. All right, Joe. Things yeah. that worked well. Okay, things that worked well. The three or four seconds per scene that they planned for. Yes. The the, I almost want to say the bits that they actually took from the Lost World book. Yeah. It's amazing how those worked. It's mm-hmm. like they were thought out and planned for. Yeah. The the idea of a site B worked. I believe that. You know, you're not going to just have them all on Jurassic Park. You got to you gotta get them there. One of the things I thought that worked well, individual characters were great. Schiff's character, Roland was great. Nick was a good character for what he was needing to play. Super spy. Ian Malcolm still annoys me. See, Malcolm for me, I liked him. Oh, I, I liked what he was. Yeah. I'm sorry, Malcolm annoyed me in the first one, so he st- continued to annoy me. So it's more the personality yeah, of Malcolm, Malcolm yeah. that bothers you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the character was good. I hated Sarah what, Harding. What was the point of Julianne Moore's character? Well, to pay off a divorce settlement, apparently. Well, no, but like, <laughs> the, the only uh, sort of thing that she showed was she, she was the reason they needed to get there. Yeah. That was her sole purpose. Once she got there, she became a damsel in distress. Okay. And like you've said, she's supposed to be the best in her field who has dealt with mu- multiple cases of wild animals. Yeah. And she's a female in distress. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but she's also yeah. completely inept at her job. So we've sort of gone into things that didn't work. So yeah, Julianne Moore's character for me <laughs> doesn't work. Yeah. And I'll the- say this. The trailer scene worked. Parts of it did Yeah, work. parts of it worked. Parts of it worked. The raptors in the high grass worked. Yeah. The, I think that, oh, the beginning. The beginning where they explain what's happened with InGen. Ian's at the mansion with John Hammond. That yeah. whole part, believable. I dig it. And makes you angry. So it's like, they do a good job of setting up the movie. Yeah. It's just what they set up then became crap. Deter being killed by the compies. That worked. 
Yeah. Because that was a cool scene. And it harkened back to what actually happens to John Hammond in the original Jurassic Park book. Yes. So it was nice. Again, the book scenes worked. Yeah. But the problem was the book scenes were from the original Jurassic Park. Yeah. And not the new one. That was (laughs) the one that was begged to be made. Forced to be written. Yeah. So things that didn't work. Everything else we've talked about. Yeah. Pretty much everything else we talked about. If you listen to the summary, you know what didn't work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you also, we can answer this, the next question. What did we think after watching the movie? I think you know. Are we sure Spielberg even directed this? No. I don't know. Here's a question yeah. that we haven't talked about. Who is the audience? Okay. I think if you have kids and you want to share them with them another Jurassic Park movie after they enjoyed the first one, and you, you're a parent that wants to do things chronologically, you show them this movie. But this is... This is for completionists or kids that really are into Jurassic Park. This is a pretty uninspiring version of the, the first. Because we, we didn't cover it before, but one of the things I had said was I was excited to see this because I've only probably seen this movie two or three times in my entire life. Jurassic Park 3, seen a lot. Jurassic Park, I've seen a ton. Jurassic World, I've seen a ton. There's just something about this that was forgettable and when I watched it again, I'm like, oh, this this is why I forgot it. Yeah. But I, you also I said that this movie was missing like a Sam Neill. It is. Yeah. And apparently he was he was asked to do this movie and he said he didn't want to. But then he does three. And I like three. I feel like three gets a bad rap, but I like three. Well, that's the thing. Apparently Sam Neill and uh Jeff Goldblum have issues because it, Goldblum That was evident in the first movie. Goldblum wouldn't come on to three. Because Sam Neill was there. And that's why they have that quip in Jurassic Park 3 where Sam Neill says, did you read uh, Malcolm's book? Yeah, I thought it was kind of pretentious. Yeah, me too. You know, one of those things. There was a little dig at him in there. But I look at this and I go, listen, I don't... If this was the Die Hard series, this movie is Die Hard 2. This is Die Hard (laughs) 2. It's Die Hard 2. You don't need to watch it. Yeah. You don't. I'm looking at your case. It says Jurassic Park Ultimate Trilogy. You could take this one out an ad world, and you'd have the ultimate trilogy. Yeah. In fact, I would even go so far as to say Jurassic Park 3 works better as a sequel to Jurassic Park than this movie does. Completely agree. Yeah. This is a forgettable movie. So what's your report card? I'm giving it a C. It's Ooh. average. Whoa. It is average at best. No, this is a first. What? You're lower than I am? Yes. <laughs> I'm a C minus. Wow! This is a first. History has been made. History has been made. I yeah, I couldn't give it a full C. If I give Jurassic Park an A minus, yeah, or a B plus for that matter, because there are some problems I have with that movie. But this is a big step back. Yeah, but this I don't is think a it's C minus. I don't think it's so big a step back that I can see any lower than a C minus. No, I wouldn't drop it because again, it does have moments that when you think of the movie, you remember the moment. Yep. Like Jurassic Park, you remember certain moments in that movie. You remember the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex coming through the fence for the first time. Yeah. That's a moment you remember. You remember the first time you saw a Velociraptor in the kitchen. Yep. You know, th- that's friggin' scary. In this one, you have moments. You remember the trailer scene with the glass. Yeah. And you remember the raptors in the high grass. Yep. It has the moments in it. They tied it together wrong. Yeah. And you're right. There were characters that worked. There were, but there were more characters that worked than characters that did not work. And, but I have to take it off. I have to take points away from it in that it didn't know what kind of movie it was going to be. Is it going to be a naturalist movie? Is it going to be a science fiction movie? Is it going to be a dinosaurs on the mainland movie? 
this didn't know what the hell where it wanted to go because it wouldn't follow the original plan set out by Michael Crichton. Yep. And he actually wrote a pr- the book Lost World. The book is a pretty good book. It really is. Yeah. All right. So what do you buy? What do you? Who is the audience for you? Or what do you, you give it a C minus? Why do you give I it a C minus? I give it a C minus because there's so many things on it that make me smack my face. Yeah. Like I just facepalm when watching this movie, and literally when I was watching it this week, I literally said to myself, "Now I remember why I forget this movie." You can literally go on YouTube mm-hmm. and watch the trailer, like the 1997 trailer for this film. Mm-hmm. If you watch just that, you've seen the good parts. Yeah, there's no. You don't need to see anything else. You see the the velociraptors in the grass. You see the trailer. You see him rampaging in San Diego. You see the cool scenes. Mm-hmm. You're not missing anything by not watching the actual whole film. And, and just to be clear here, what a C means to me is when I say it's average, I mean that if it's on TV, sure, I'll you'll, watch it. You'll watch it. But if I'm, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, I can't wait to watch Lost World. Here are some other movies I've rated as a C. American Pie 2. Yeah, I would rate that lower. Let's see what other ones I got here. Angels and Demons. Oh. Forgettable compared to Da Vinci Code. Nah, I don't agree with that. You gave it a B minus. Yeah, Uh, B minus is good. Barbershop 2. Never seen it. How about Billy Madison? You know, I don't really remember Billy Madison. How about The Chronicles of Riddick? Never seen it. How about Cruel Intentions? Wow, you gave Cruel Intentions a C? How about Dune? Uh, How about Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer? (laughs) That's where this, and you'll notice most of those I just read are the second movies in their series. Yeah, they're sequels. Yep. Just can't get off the ground. Uh, So that's where I'm at with it. Well, that's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next week, we will be reviewing the top movies released in July of all time. This is our bracket show. We put a bracket out there for everybody to fill out, so I'll let you know what the results are of that. Then we'll be doing Point Break 1991, and then following that, a week off, and then we do Caddyshack. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. We'll also, be review- we'll also be releasing all of our Jurassic Park movies and a special Fallen Kingdom review uh, starring JC, Joel, and myself. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes and help the show get on its feet with a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any re- questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at MoviePlanetPod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and SoundJ Music for, for, for providing all music on the movie show. And thanks for listening to the Movie Planet Podcast. And happy movie watching. <laughs>